This episode contains talk of murder, violence, specifically police violence. Please listen with caution. Hi, everyone. This is Carmen. And Christina. And you are listening to Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible. Deals with things like racism, genocide, corruption. Heavy topics, yeah. All the isms. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we talk about positive things like resistance power and community but not today (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are uh, continuing the uh, salvador slash bukele topic here a series if you will yeah so today we are talking about the state of exception Uh, and this is basically what constitutes a part three so for a little bit more background about what got us to this point what got el salvador to this point even though, of course, there's so much more out there <laughs> that got so much. us out there to this point. I mean, I think I feel like our episodes are like, you know, brief introductory, introductory uh, yeah. things that, you know, people didn't really know about. And so then you can look more into it. Right. So part one, uh, Christina talked about El Mosote and part of that included how Bukele has stopped investigations into El Mosote. Yes. And so people have not, you know, had a, what, justice? Any sort of justice whatsoever. Part two, we talked um, a little bit about the history of democracy in San Rador and how the environment that came from that led to the rise of Bukele, basically. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about Bukele and the state of exception. Horrible stuff. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, let's just get into it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> just rip the bandaid off. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> through March 25th and... Well, f- from March 25th through the 27th of last year, 2022, El Salvador faced the deadliest weekend it had in a very, very, very long time when members of El Salvador's largest gang, MS-13, murdered 87 people in three days. Oof. Yeah. During this time, people with zero ties to crime were targeted. Among them, a fruit seller, a surf instructor, a homemaker. MS-13 went after everybody, but their message was directed to one person, President Bukele. Okay, that was my question. Like, because I remember this happening, but I never looked further into it as to like, why? So I'm glad that you brought that Mm -hmm, today. mm -hmm. Let me tell you why. So as part of their message, the MS-13 gang members left a corpse. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. We didn't even preface this with any trigger warnings. I will add one before we start the episode, like just at the top of everything. It's like mass violence. I don't know. Everything. Mass murder, violence. And just, you know, if you think of other things, let me know and I will add them to that message. Um, Okay. So, yeah, as part of their message, the MS-13 gang members left a corpse on the road leading the road leading up to the renamed surf city oh surf city yeah okay as a direct challenge to bukele's promise to radically reduce crime and change el salvador's image abroad so they're like oh this is what you're saying to people we'll take this and then we'll show you Yeah. yeah this is similar to what cartels do in mexico uh when the yeah. government arrests um Someone they don't a main want person, to be arrested, as we yeah. as we just saw a couple of days ago with the arrest of someone big. I don't even remember his name right now. Is it yeah. was it El Chapo's son? Um, I think it was. I think I heard that. Okay. It was. Yeah, yeah, same thing. There was like helicopters. Yeah, shooting at government buildings, like mm-hmm. in Sinaloa, right? Uh huh. Um. So El Salvador has been plagued by gang violence since the late nineties. After thousands of Salvadorian youth were arrested and deported by the Clinton administration, who wanted to demonstrate its toughness on immigration and crime, the administration deported violent offenders without telling the Salvadorian government who they were. And the Salvadorian government had no way of preparing, jailing them, preparing or like charging them with anything. Yeah. Yeah. So the different gangs from L.A. that originated in L.A., brought their rivalries and turf wars with them and just completely consumed everything in their path. El Salvador had gangs before this, but they were small, 
Nothing, nothing like this. Gangs that were not really powerful, yeah. So the smaller gangs had really no choice but to join one of the new gangs for their own survival. And by 2015, there were about 60,000 gang members in the country. And about 70% of the country's businesses were being extorted. And the homicide rate was higher than it had been during the Civil War. So uh, that's just like what the gang violence looked like, right? Um, When this massacre happened, people were truly shocked um, because under Bukele, homicides had actually decreased. But we'll learn why later. (laughs) Yes, we will. We, yeah. We mentioned it briefly. Yeah, we did. We talked about it last time. He made a deal with the gangs, which is not new to the Salvadoran government. No. So um, the country had even gone up to 10 days without a single homicide. But of course, these numbers are fudged, as are the numbers being reported now, because there's a lot that Mm -hmm. the government hides or that they don't report as homicides, like the uh, violence and and homicides that happen at the hands of police officers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Violence against women, violence against indigenous people. Uh, So, yeah, many presidents have uh, grappled with gang violence, right? Um, Usually through policies called mano dura or strong hand. In the past, one administration sent soldiers to poor neighborhoods and filled the country's prisons, which we're now seeing history repeat itself. Yeah. Uh, Hypocritically, when Bukele was mayor of San Salvador, he called these responses immoral and impractical of course yeah (laughs) now he's doing worse worse yeah so just past midnight on the second day of the homicide spike so this would be what did i say the 26th i think yes of march yeah of 2021 no 22 22 last year just last year yeah yeah so yeah on the second day of the three-day basically massacre the national assembly controlled of course by bukele's party instituted a state of exception. So this meant that authorities authorities could arrest anyone that they considered suspicious. No definition of what that is. Mm-mm. Detainees were not entitled to legal defense. The right to gather in groups larger than two was suspended and all minors would be tried as adults. And this was supposed to last only 30 days. But as we know, it remains in place now. Still. So this has been what... Uh, eight months? Yeah. Yeah. Prior to the massacre, when homicides were truly down, supposedly, <laughs> I guess they were, though. Um, yeah. Bukele attributed the decrease in gang violence and homicides to his policy to deal with the gangs, which he called El Plan Control Territorial or Territorial Control Plan. Um, so this plan consisted of increasing police presence in some municipal municipalities it's a hard word to say it is and it uh the policy declared basically a state of emergency inside national prisons and this kind of meant that within the prisons rival populations that used to be kept apart were no longer kept apart is this where he started like stuffing the jails and like putting making them like the conditions were horrible yeah it's where that that, that famous image. picture yeah actually okay. um i have a note about that later but i guess we could talk about okay. it now so yeah part of this uh mixing meant that yeah populations that rival populations gangs that were never mixed beforehand were now um and the bukele i don't know if it was him him i think it was himself that tweeted this not the like someone else in the administration but he um an image was released of prisoners pressed tightly together in their underwear and they were like basically on top of each other yeah yeah and at this point um you know there was already suspicions and rumors um i don't know if el faro had released investigation at this point yet but there there was rumors that bukele had and because there's been rumors since he was mayor of san salvador because he did work with the gangs and make packs with the gangs even then Mm -hmm. so uh bukele advisors tried to argue because of this image or through this image that he, they're, they're like basically saying, well, look at the way he's treating them. How could he possibly work with them? But so it's like, they're did. trying to spin this into like, you yeah. know, their yeah. own propaganda or whatever. It's like when some a spouse is cheating, like, but they're married and he was, he, he took an oath. How could he possibly oh, be cheating on him and his wife look so happy. She's always posting pictures of them together and smiling. 
Yeah. <laughs> Same energy. Yeah. yeah. So, right. Uh, Bukele tried to attribute the decrease in homicides to his uh, plan control ter- territorial, but it was later discovered through audio and documents obtained by El Faro that the decrease in homicides had nothing to do with their plan control territorial and everything to do with the negotiations and pacts the government made between El Salvador's largest gangs, MS-13, El Barro, Barrio 18 Sureños, and El Barrio 18 Revolucionarios. Uh, oh, I don't know about that one. Me either. I barely learned about them. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Are they new? No. No. Oh, okay. They, were, they originated in L.A. too. Oh. Unless unless they didn't, and because that's why they, maybe they're called revolutionaries. Because I know for maybe. sure El Barrio 18 and MS-13 came from LA. LA and I sure. never heard like, of these no ones. There's no doubt about them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So documents revealed that the pact also included electoral benefits to the government. And we know this now that uh, Bukele used the gang to obtain more votes um, back in 2021, which is what led his power to be the, ma- I mean, his power, his uh, party to be the to majority. Be the majority. Yeah. Initially, it was unknown what gang specifically was behind the violence that led to the state of exception. But towards the end of May, this was when El Faro released their investigation. The MS-13 admitted to El Faro that they were behind this massacre. And they admitted Mm. that they did this to pressure the government or basically to punish them for violating a pact made between Bukele's administration and the gang. It uh, turned out that the Mareros retaliated against the government because the government had arrested, I don't know if it was just one or a couple, but top gang members that they were not supposed to arrest. And these gang members enjoyed certain privileges from the government. They actually had been riding in a government car, either driven by a cop or something like that when they were arrested. Uh, But like as a personal ride, not not because they were being arrested. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So this deal is went a little further than I thought. Like, uh, yeah. No. And damn. and I talk about it a little bit later. But there's even more than what I'm talking oh. about that was part of these deals. Damn. So El Faro obtained audio evidence, um, conversations, basically deals between Carlos Marroquin, a Bukele government official, and the gang, um, in which they negotiated pacts and agreements. The audios further reveal that the government helped a gang member named Crook, is what they call him, like Crook. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a top leader. Um, Damn. And his nicknames and his nickname and because they use like secret codes and stuff like that, you know, mm. in the recordings, like as if, I don't know, they might come out later or whatever. So his gang nickname, I guess, was Crook, but they would refer to him as El Viejo in the in audio messages yeah when Bu- they're dealing with the yeah, Bukele's, yeah. and Bukele's um, code name for the packs and whatever was batman el batman okay i re- i vaguely remember that which of course it was <sighs> so the audio Immense me- eye roll right uh a, a rich vigilante <laughs> fucking you can't uh, even like hide your true feelings i don't know that's ridiculous yeah, yeah. so the audio recordings revealed that the government helped Kruk escape extradition from the United States and helped him flee to Guatemala. <laughs> okay, wow. Um, and that's just an example of how Bukele and his administration have acted against the narrative. <laughs> Sorry, Milo's bothering me, people. Um, acted <laughs> against the narrative that they have, p- the message of the propaganda that they have pushed onto Salvadorians, right? That if you disagree with the government and what they're doing, like to deal with the gangs, then you're aligned with the gang members. Um, the audio recordings also showed that the government was, a, and this is not, this is like probably, I don't know, one of the worst things. <laughs> I mean, it was like, anyway, okay. okay. The audio okay, recordings <laughs> showed that the government was aware that the killings, this massacre, since the beginning of it, they were aware that the killings were in direct retaliation to the government and they still tried to save the pact even after the killings had began. Oh, God. Yeah. And they tried to, like, I don't know, settle tomatoes, like all this stuff. They tried to still negotiate further. And, like, <laughs> after they were already doing this, it was day, day, like, two of the massacre. 
And they were out there trying to be like, if you don't stop killing people, we're gonna arrest more. I don't know. Like, what? Yeah. What are these? Uh, uh, what could these ultimatums actually even do, honestly? And yeah, like we were saying earlier, this was not um, the first time that Bukele made agreements with gang members in 2018. This was when he was the uh, mayor of San Salvador. Bukele made an agreement with members of Barrio 18 and gave them space among the vendors of the Mercado Cuscatlan and in return, the gang allowed the market to operate. Wow. And um, there's a lot more to these um, negotiations from the audio recordings and documents that we just don't have the time to talk about, basically. <laughs> yes, but El Faro has like a really good... Yeah, that was what I was going to say, that I encourage people to look into El Faro's reporting on it. And to listen to an episode from the podcast El Hilo. The episode is titled Los Audios Que Explican La Peor Matanza Del Siglo En El Salvador. It was released on May 20th of last year, 2022. Oh, I got to listen to that too. Yeah. Okay, so now that we talked a little bit about what led to the state of exception and about what the exception entails, I want to talk about what it's been like for some Salvadorians to live under this exception. After announcing the state of exception, the Bukele administration began running a propaganda machine to convince Salvadorians that this was the right thing. And this included Bukele tweeting um, about daily arrests that had been made, along with salacious commentary and pictures of tattooed men in handcuffs and underwear who looked as though they had been roughed up. He also called critics of this new policy, including, I don't know, everyday common citizens, journalists uh, or foreign governments. Supporters of terrorists. Yeah. All while he and his government had been colluding with these so-called terrorists. Yeah. Yes. Just fucking ridiculous. Um, Hypocritical too. Yeah. Um, El Faro, like I said earlier, didn't only have audio recordings. They also had documents. This included hundreds of prison documents and logbooks from prisons where the secret meetings were held between gang leaders and government representatives. It showed the representatives signing into the prisons to meet with the mm, uh, gang okay. leaders. And of course, and we talked about this last uh, episode too. Um, after El Faro published this information, Bukele launched an investigation into El Faro for money laundering, attacked the newspaper and journalists relentlessly, uh, so much so that a few of them have been forced into exile, or some of them have adopted the practice of after. Um, publishing like some article or uh, investigation about Bukele's wrongdoings, they'll leave the country until they stop receiving death threats. <laughs> it's bad. And yeah. I mean, if that doesn't tell you that this is a dictatorship, I don't know if anything else doesn't tell you that then yeah. this, I mean, this should because threaten the life of people reporting things that are true. Uh, it's, it's not something serious. serious. Yeah. That's not something non-dictators do. Yeah. So Roselia Rivas, a cosmetologist, was one of the first victims of the state of exception. She owns a small beauty salon in San Marcos Lempa, a municipality southeast of San Salvador. She also sold drinks there like soda, water, and beer. But she was also a community leader and had previously worked with local cops on preventing violence and even rescuing people from flood zones because this uh, palette, yeah, is uh, prone to flooding. On March 26, cops came to intimidate her. Why? Actually, it wasn't clear to me why or... Well, because, like, people could report on each other. I don't know if it had anything to do with that. I don't know what it had to do with. But they showed up to her place to intimidate her. And they asked her if she had a permit to sell alcohol, to which she responded that she didn't. A cop then told her, yes, si vienes pidiendo derechos. I think actually what happened is that maybe gang members came to intimidate her and she called the cops for help when they responded. They asked her about her own shit, like if she had a permit. So that's why they told oh. her, yes, si vienes pidiendo derechos. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're asking for favors, but you're not following the law either but they're not following the law by yeah. letting and and i mean that's a small thing <laughs> the gangs be there in the first yeah, place like not having yeah. a permit to sell alcohol like how many places are small you know mom and pop i don't know selling just food that they make to make ends meet you know what i mean 
So the cops left, but came back a few days later. They told her to come outside and said again that they heard she sold drinks there. But she didn't open the door and she told them she was closed because she had been sick. While she was still inside, she she had just been talking to her husband when they came to knock at her door, whatever. So she hung up and she didn't realize that when she hung up, um, she had accidentally gone live on Facebook. So they were like convincing her to come outside um, and finally a. Well, they were not convincing her. They were accosting and interrogating her. Okay, and like it trying to force yeah. her to go outside. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't until a woman cop convinced her to come outside. She's like, oh, you have no reason to be afraid. Oh, I'm a God. woman just like you. Oh, exactly. Oh, my God. And so Roselia did go outside. Um, as soon as she did, they tried to take her phone. She was like, you guys have no right to take my phone, blah, blah, blah. They um, arrested her. The lady cop called her a Sora. Oh, my God. Hit her in the face twice. Oh, my God. Another cop grabbed her by the hair and pushed her down onto the floor. So, yeah, trigger warning for, like, I don't know, police violence. <laughs> State well, violence. I'll add that to the top <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, Roselia was screaming, asking why she was being detained. Uh, but, of course, under the state of exception, they don't have to tell her that. Oh, my God. Uh, Roselia pleaded to a young cop that she knew because she had seen him grow up, basically, and pleaded him for help because she couldn't breathe. She was asking for help, saying she wasn't a criminal. Criminal, And a, I think it was the same lady cop or maybe this young cop. It wasn't clear to me from the episode that I listened to. But uh, one of the cops told her, Mira, vieja puta, hoy hasta te podemos matar. Hoy la ley está a favor de nosotros. Jeez. And for our Spanish challenged friends, um, look, look, you old bitch, right? Is that, bitch. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you're right. Like basically, look, you old bitch. Um, we could kill you today. Today, the law is in our favor. Because of the state of exception. Yeah. And and yeah. the state of, I mean, like, the state of exception is being justified because they're arresting gang members. This woman is not a gang member. No. Um, so. <laughs> the only wrong thing she's done is um, not have is a, sell alcohol. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as they came to um, ask her about it the first time, she stopped doing it. And this does not mean that you can get accosted and harassed and beat up by cops and threatened even like and we've said it i don't know if you said it this specific podcast but we've talked about it plenty of times me and you oh yeah yeah. <laughs> committing a crime doesn't mean that you can get fucking beat up and killed right right um or threatened to be killed anything mm -hmm. by cops like no no nope. that's not how shit works it's not how it should work but it that's how it that's, happens yeah, yeah. Um, so they arrested her and they never told her why she was being arrested. Yanira's son. This is someone else because they didn't say her last name. So, okay. Yeah. Yanira's son was one of 6,000 people arrested within the first week. 6,000. Of the state of exception. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Yanira's son was 20 years old and has autism. Oh. Um, oh. so he would often, um, leave the house like barefoot. Um, and she would try to be around him at all times, like to not leave him alone, basically. Um, so he was arrested while at home when she was out running an errand. Oh, my um, God. She was gone for maybe 30 minutes and she came back and found out that the police had taken him away. So, yeah, this was around the first week of the state of exception in March. So around September, the authorities had released around 803 people. Because there was no evidence um, to hold them, basically. They hadn't been arrested. They hadn't committed crimes. For no reason. Yeah. Roselia was released around this time. And she learned that she had been charged, or originally charged, with something called Difusión Ilegal de Información en Redes Informáticas. What? Um, basically, a illegal spread or diffusion of information through social media. That's a crime. Which sounds like a fake charge. I was going to say, like, like, that, that doesn't, doesn't sound like a, like a real crime. Basically, yeah. what, spreading misinformation on social media? Yeah. Jeez. Um, and this was because of the video she accidentally the Facebook recorded. Live. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then she was charged for resisting arrest, which she wasn't actually resisting arrest. She was just asking <laughs> she them to asking, not beat her up. Yeah. And pleading for help, which is not resisting arrest. But, you know, they can... Even here, you say something and they're like, oh, yeah, you're resisting arrest. Like these things are so what arbitrary is arbitrary. Like, yeah, 
Like, it's defined by them. Yeah, yeah. Infuriating, really. Yeah. So, Roselia continued to suffer or ended up suffering from panic attacks from being detained. Oh, yeah. Um, And her daughter helped her file a complaint with the Office of Human Rights, which didn't lead anywhere. And I didn't have time to listen to uh, another podcast that... That's like a news type podcast in Spanish. Um, should try to find. No, I'm not going to be able to find the name. Oh, <laughs> but um, I was going to say what's it called? <laughs> well, it is. Le- it's in my Google Docs oh, in the research. It's... I just didn't use it. Oh, but um, when you put the link of the podcasts or a Spotify on there, it doesn't say the title or anything. So oh. I didn't know like which one is which. But I didn't end up. Um, I could find it later. We could put it in the show notes just like if people can learn more information. Oh, okay. It's going to be one of the first ones, I think, though. Oh, I found it already. So it's. It's because I don't know if I linked it, but I just searched on Spotify and it came up because I listened to it. So the yeah, the podcast is called Conclusiones and it's a um, news type podcast, but they like interview people and stuff on this. So the episode is called. La guerra de Bukele contra las maras en El Salvador lo vuelve un dictador o redentor. Redentor is like, I don't know. Someone Someone daring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what the hell it was. I was just guessing based on the title. (laughs) I mean, you're right. Um, So in this um, episode, and I guess this is because CNN produced podcast or something. Oh, okay. But yeah, in this episode, um, the host interviews a um person who works in the like the the head person that works in the departamento de derechos humanos oh, the human rights about person. all okay. the yeah and he also has an activist on this episode to kind of like quote get both sides but he goes it's so funny because he goes in on the i gotta listen to on this the, um bukele government person him. <laughs> yeah love a good friend um <laughs> Um, the guy's trying to say, oh, there's been so much, um, like, I don't know, like 3000 reports on, uh, human rights violations since the state of exception. And we're like working really hard to look into them. And then the interviewer and the podcast host is like, um, this shit has been going, but like in a professional manner, of course, he's like, this shit has been going on since like fucking March. And you're telling me you're working on investigating. You haven't done shit. Um, and then the guy tries to, um backtrack like justify, <laughs> oh, justify. yeah backtrack okay. and justify and and he doesn't let him off the hook okay uh, this and then at good. the end they start like arguing a little bit mm-hmm. and he's all like well it seems to me like we're just not gonna agree on this because like you don't like value rights or something like that's oh. what he tells him at the end i'm like oh i was like the shit is wild um also quite and you might not have looked into this but i'm curious to know if this human rights person was placed by bukele himself or if it was someone that's already been... I don't know if he was placed by Bukele, but I know he's like a pro-Bukele person. Okay, okay. Is he from Nuevas Ideas? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean by like a part of a person. member of the party. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Not a good look already. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, this didn't lead anywhere for Roselia and her daughter. Ugh. Since the state of exception had been put in place, it's been extended month by month. And as we talked about, it's still in place. Per the Constitution, and of course, Bukele is trying to rewrite the Constitution. This is a different side point. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, e- dictator. Like, if we had that little yeah. bell for signs of a dictator, trying to rewrite the Constitution falls under that. Yeah. So, per the Constitution, the government can extend the state of exception only if the conditions that led to the exception remain in place. But homicides have decreased, so the conditions that led to the exception... Don't being implemented are no longer existent (laughs) do not remain in place (laughs) yeah yeah but bukele has propagated of of course the idea right that the exception must remain in place until they capture every single gang member unrealistic because if not yeah unrealistic if not the gang members will reassemble and reorganize what is the plan what is the end goal here is my question because okay you've got them all now what they're going to stay in jail forever? You can't hold someone forever for what? Or is right, his plan right. to... What is this, what is his plan? <laughs> I mean, we, we don't know. No, we don't. That, but I'm like wondering. Like, I think the plan is 
to kill them to also maybe but for sure to eliminate his opposers so that he can the, the plan is to maintain power yes <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, with okay because i mean but with the people yeah i, I see what you he's mean not, yeah on top of that if, if he were yeah. to actually be arresting only gang members what is the end all but also yeah. we know he's using this as a way to arrest his opposers with no um no uh without having to tell them why without having to have an actual charge yeah so while innocent people have been arrested and the rights of salvadorians have been violated bukele has pushed the message that they must continue onward that this is a daily battle right he's pushed the message that as they continue to arrest more gangsters that more people are going to protest because there will always be a mother of a gangster a family member or a friend who isn't going to like that they're, quote, cleansing the cancer. So he's like preparing his admirers or followers that the people protesting who are actually protesting because innocent people are, are being, being arrested, detained yeah. for no reason. He's pushing it as no, these are like the these are the mothers of the gangsters. These, these are family or friends of gangsters. Yeah. And if if this doesn't I mean, like he's literally dehumanizing yeah. people and the people that love these people. And it's like it's terrible. Terrible. I mean, it never ends well no. to dehumanize a certain group, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A, a certain group that you're you're basing the the cops are basing the arrest on suspicions. And what do they base their suspicions on? On um, people who live in marginalized um, communities that are low income that have certain appearances. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Bukera's government has put a quota on police departments. Ugh. And if the precincts don't or didn't meet these quotas, they would the officers would be sanctioned by getting time off taken away and or being sent by precincts to precincts that are further away. So like, you know, fuck cops or whatever, but they don't deserve to <laughs> get their very little time off taken away or be sent far away from their families yeah. to work, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to meet these quotas, um, cops and soldiers, right? Because soldiers later on ended up well, since the beginning, I mean, they're a part of all of this. Yeah. So in order to meet these quotas, cops and soldiers ended up arresting people that were just out on the streets, usually working or like having drinks together. But as long <sighs> as it was more than two people, that was their excuse, right? Because the state of exception said you couldn't hang out in a group of more than two. Mm -hmm. A highly criticized group of arrests happened when four young men were detained after finishing their shifts from working in a cafe. The cops posted an image of the young men stating they arrested gang members who threatened the peace or whatever. And this is something I they do often, right? Post. Yeah. Well, the owners of the cafe ended up commenting on that post, say, <laughs> saying that the young men were just working and were arrested for no fucking reason, that they were unjustly arrested. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I said before, the young men were arrested under that mandate, saying that people had no right to gather in groups larger than two. Um, and this was one of the main charges that people were arrested for. Another one was um, cops coming to people's homes and arresting them after receiving tips. So the government opened a hotline. And we talked about this before. Yeah. In the last people could just call and say, my neighbor's a marero. And it, it, it didn't have to be true in order for them to get arrested. The government um, opened a hotline where neighbors could report their neighbors for being gang members and law enforcement would then respond or then responded to these reports. Um, they would come knocking to people's houses and they would tell them, um, we're, we just have to take you to the precinct to ask you a few questions. But that was a lie because instead of asking them questions, they would detain them instead. Jeez. And those left behind, those family members left behind, they didn't even know sometimes where their family member had been taken okay or wh so where they were being held i don't know if you have any of this in your notes but i remember during this time in the beginning uh seeing a bunch of tweets of people saying my family member i don't know where they're at but police were seen in the area and there was so many tweets of people just trying to find their family members but all, and all they knew is that police were nearby so they would just like assume yeah. they were taken but there was like no information given to them yeah, I did talk about it a little bit. Okay. After her son was arrested, Yanira didn't know where her son was. She and her daughter spent a day visiting courthouses searching for him. Ultimately, they found out he was being held at El Penalito, or the little jail, um, in San Salvador. 
like you just said, people didn't know where their family members had been taken. So they would line up there for days, weeks at a time, waiting for police to share the whereabouts of. And usually it's, it, it was men that were primarily yes. targeted. Yeah. Up to young as 12 year olds, as young as yeah. 12 years old. I mean, so women would line up out uh, outside the jail up to a week waiting for police to share the whereabouts of their sons and their husbands. Prisoners held at El Penalito only ate irregularly. Other than that, the family could buy food um, and hygiene packages from a bodega in front of El Penalito, ranging from two fifty for two dollars and fifty cents, not two fifty, mm-hmm. uh, for a single meal to basic toiletries, or fifteen dollars and fifty cents for a change of underwear. Wow, that's kind of a lot for a change of underwear. Yeah, <laughs> you could buy a pack of underwear for that price. Yeah, Kenita learned that her son was sent to Isalco. A maximum security oh prison God, that houses. What? And she didn't actually, she didn't know his fucking charge. Jesus. So I don't know. I mean, what could he possibly have done? She suspected neighbors called. <gasps> this is terrible. Um, so, yeah, he was sent to Isalco, a maximum security prison that houses hardened gangsters. But at least Yanira was told where her son was sent. In other cases, like you. Yeah mentioned officers refused to provide information about the detainees whereabouts their families and under international law this constitutes constitutes enforced disappearances um which is a sign of dictatorships (laughs) yes yeah um and people were sentenced six to six months for some charges um but for being in groups of more than two they some were sentenced up to 30 years jeez oh my god yeah this is insane um another woman karen um her husband was arrested while taking a work break at a taxi stand near el salvador sorry near san salvador he was eating pupusas with an employee when a cook walked over to collect their money so then there was three of them it was at this moment when a group of officers walked over to them and arrested them for gathering illegally oh my god karen's husband had never been arrested before and he in, had enthusiastically voted for Bukele in 2019. Oh, this is like a, like, yeah. like I hate, like, uh, when you, what is, there's a saying in Spanish where you, if you like spit up in the air, it's going to fall, you know, and yeah, hit you in the face. face. That's what mm-hmm. this is, but it's terrible because like, it's nobody deserves way. this. And like, so people would go on Twitter, Facebook and and Instagram and say like, this is my so-and-so, I don't know, let's say brother. This is my brother. They've never been arrested. They were at work. They're not a gang member. And like, and they have to like continuously, you know, put in their, in their social media posts. Like they're not a, they're not a gang member. They've never been a gang member. Not that anybody deserves this, but like. Literally, innocent people are being arrested and and then the, their family members are, you know, trying to figure out where they're at, what's going on. And they're having to post like they're not a gang member. They're not a gang member. And then you get these stupid Bukele trolls that are like, whatever. Yeah, they deserve it. It's horrible. It's horrible. But this is what happens when you are so violent oriented that you don't care what happens to innocent people. Yeah. And in some ways, um, it's a survival thing, I think. Yeah. But that, you know, I mean, because like, yeah, it's been bad. It has been bad. But I I mean, one woman they interviewed for this article. I think this information came from the article um, from the New Yorker. Okay. Um, That's actually a really good article. And you can get one free uh, every month (laughs) article a month. So this was my one article. (laughs) um, But it's a really good article about Bukele. Oh, it's January. Um, I'm going to read it now. I tried to open it in (laughs) December, but I couldn't. But now I can. It talk. It not only talks about the state of exception, it also talks about Bitcoin. So yeah, it's a really good article. But um, in that article, um, some of the um people, the um journalist interviews, basically say, and I have that quote later on here, but they basically said that they don't care until it happens to them, and that it's like a survival thing, basically that when you're when there's that much violence, you you can't care about other people, basically. Yeah, but it's sad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, where was I? Yeah, Karen's husband was arrested, supposedly for being in a group of more than two people when literally he was just eating with his coworker and the waiter was just collecting their money. That's like, that's wild. fucking ridiculous. Yeah. 
sometimes hearings where people were sentenced and whatnot, they were held with uh, 300 to 500 people being tried, like in mass. At the in same mass, time? Altogether. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh my God. And they were all collectively sentenced <gasps> like six months, um, as was Karen's husband. Wow. He wasn't sentenced in one of these. In another case, a 45-year-old professor and taxi owner was arrested at his taxi shop. Oh my God. Yeah. Before uh, Karen's husband entered the Salco prison, officers forced him to kneel on the ground for almost two hours under the sun um, and to squat 25 times while naked. And they would tell him or they were telling him, welcome to hell. And like, this is so evil. I mean, it's truly disgusting because um, in prison, people have already been stripped of their like liberty. So why humiliate them even more? Um in this way right like yeah yeah inhumane yeah as he and other detainees walked to their cells officers stood on both sides of the line and beat them he was put in a cell that had the capacity for 30 people but at that time it was holding 125 people oh my god in the same cell yeah oh my god and these these are the conditions in yes. of that picture that was released by bukele and people were cheering the shit on. <sighs> disgusting. It's truly, truly disgusting. disgusting. And I, it's like you, if you're cheering shit like that on, you're like dead inside. And I, I make jokes about being dead inside, but you, you this can't be is, dead inside yeah. and, and feel things for the people. Right. Right. Like strangers. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, like, yes, gangs are wrong too. And they shouldn't be receiving this treatment anyway. But it's also so important to like keep mentioning that there's also innocent people in here. Yeah. Um, in cities like San Salvador, people didn't see too much like of the m- militarization that came from the state of exception. And it's always that is always the case with San Salvador. Yes. Because I mean, you talked because, about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's always the rural. Um, yeah, it's the places. most marginalized communities um, yeah. that are affected by things like this. Um, and San yeah. Salvador being the capital is usually it's like a what, <laughs> like an avatar. Bossing say, <laughs> yes. fucking bossing say. Yeah. Oh my god, it were really they? Is. And it's, I mean, that show is so. Uh, I mean, it's a real one. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, every child should watch it. It should be it should be taught in schools. It should. It should. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, people in El Salvador, because I'm mainly in San Salvador in big cities like this, right, that don't see the harm that is coming from the state of exception. They're like blindsided to it. Right. It's like and this is reminiscent of the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's reminiscent of the people on Avatar from Bossing State where, like, the war does not exist. <laughs> but they were yes. literally brainwashed to think, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay, yeah. so people in cities like San Salvador only see the benefits um, that have come from the state of exception, like being able to go downtown at night, whereas before people, you know, they couldn't go out downtown at night they mm-hmm. would make sure that i only go there during the daytime so they praise bukele saying that he's fighting and improving things um and like we said the people that have been affected the most um live in low-income marginalized communities and uh, then they become even more low-income impoverished because i remember pe- um just a couple weeks ago if not more by now maybe a month sometime last month there was a like a huge influx of military in a small little pueblo. Yeah. I don't remember the name yeah. of it right now, but that was super recent. And yeah. it's like, and it's also to make way for tourism because another thing that Bukele is doing oh that my God, can yes. be its own. Um, it's its own separate thing. Is um, he's selling <laughs> the country essentially? He's displacing people, and it's and selling it to tourists. People. Yeah. And selling it to Americans, crypto bros. Making way for, yeah, tourism and and Bitcoin bros. What is the cost of all? Like, why? Yeah. When when this land has gone to shit because it's being mined, uh, you know, uh, and there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. What? This place is going to be abandoned, gone to ruins. People were displaced. 
people yeah and then the people that benefited they move on they get their coins and they move on and it's i hate it (laughs) yeah um so those already marginalized were left even more impoverished because usually the fathers you know were the ones that were arrested and, and this left the families without the sole earners yeah yeah income mm-hmm. because those that are the most affected are highly marginalized and from stigmatized communities many excuse what is happening and oftentimes they say things like oh well they must have done something wrong and they're being taken away but no <laughs> no truly they innocent really people didn't. are being taken yeah. away um, and those that live in these marginalized um, zones or communities have been living in a militarized environment, even since before the state of exception, honestly. Yeah. So this includes like going through checkpoints on a daily basis and just just being surrounded by military all the time. Like that's a super negative environment for people. Yeah. Um, and it leads to... Um, feelings of persecution even when you haven't done yeah. anything wrong which leads to um a uh, community with more anxiety more depression and things like that as well yeah generational trauma yeah. and and it's like it's all similar to what was going on in the civil war yes something that bukele would have you forget <laughs> and he, has and this is why yes. this is why so because he can get the, away with this shit the less or the more that he pushes like oh oh the civil wars in the past yeah like you said the more that people won't put the connections together the parallels yeah yeah yeah. and and like you have said history informs our present yeah and like so many people have said if you don't learn about history you're doomed to repeat it this is this is literally it being repeated yeah and and yeah people are ignoring it because so many people have been bombarded with the message of move past the civil war yeah. we're past the civil war we're more than the civil war and, and it's and all for the same purpose yeah to, to get away with what he's doing right now and that's what i mean you people can't really move past when there has been no justice and no accountability for the atrocities that happened at the civil war so no like we don't have to move on from that because guess what we're still seeing remnants of that now yeah the same thing you know to the United States trying to make people forget about all its Everything. own atrocities. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, even people that live in some people that live in these highly militarized and marginalized communities make excuses about it and praise it. <laughs> and this is where that quote I was talking about earlier um, from the person from one of these communities. Um, basically, they said, until it happens to you, it doesn't matter what happens to someone else. <laughs> I mean, and this person even said like it's about survival yeah others have made excuses um saying that living under the state of exception is nothing new since the country lived under a state of exception for six years under the war and it's like of course <laughs> you were talking about how similar all of this is to the war yeah <laughs> yeah the only difference here is that nobody there's no opposing side it's the government doing all of it yeah in December of last year, the Human Rights Watch published a it's like 87 or 89 page report titled We Can Arrest Anyone We Want. And it's about the widespread human rights violations under the state of exception. We've talked about these human rights already, you know, a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but they include things like mass arbitrary detention, torture mm-hmm. and forced mm-hmm. disappearances deaths in custody and abuse ridden prosecutions yeah all of that yeah over fifty-eight thousand people have been arrested including a thousand six hundred children and when when it came out and and some children because there was a group of children arrested and detained from i forgot where specifically and this group of and it came out in the news and it was like you know people were criticizing this um, but some people were like, oh, these aren't children. These are gang members. Like, you can't let them trick you. These aren't children. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I remember seeing those like, comments. These are fucking children. Stop. <sighs> yeah. Like, stop yeah. making excuses for this. When, yeah, when you, I mean, when you find yourself dehumanizing people to this level, it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's. It's sad. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, 
I don't know what I was going to say. So yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find the words, but yes. Yeah. In November last year, 2022, the prison population reached about 95,000, um, which is three times over the official capacity wow. that the prisons can even hold in the country. <sighs> um, 90 people, when this report came out, 90 people had died in custody. Oh and the circumstances of their deaths at the time of this writing, which was just last month, really, this is the beginning of January. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're deaths had not been properly investigated of course and they won't be no no um so the gross human rights abuses aside Bukera's plan is trash because in the past <laughs> gangs have only benefited from mass incarceration by using prisons to recruit new members and to consolidate yeah. territorial control outside of the prisons so it's like mm -hmm. bro what the fuck are you even doing like this is your excuse. Just, that's why I'm wondering what is the, the if final anything, plan. If anything, he might even have a pact now. Like, like this might be a fucking deal with them. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. so, and you don't know yeah. because he, there's been countless and uh, corruption from Bukele. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not outlandish for me to say that. It's not out of pocket <laughs> no. at all. Yeah. So yeah, he, this plan is stupid. And if anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, in order to truly address the gang issue, uh, the, big, the Bukele administration uh, needs to adopt sustainable and rights-respecting steps to dismantle gangs and protect the community from gang violence. This means getting down to the root causes of gang violence, like high levels of poverty um, and social exclusion, and focusing on prosecuting higher-level gang leaders. Um, instead of making deals with them. Instead of letting them escape extradition. <laughs> Instead of giving them, them cars. flee into Guatemala. Yeah. Instead of giving them territory to control and like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I ended this just by saying instead the Bukele government does all this shit under the guise of protecting the community from gang violence. Right. While the whole time they've been colluding with high level gang members, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And and all this is doing the mass arrest is like. <laughs> recruiting people into yeah. the gangs in the, in the long run because like you have already mentioned what really needs to be addressed is why do people join gangs and how do you fix that yeah so yeah that was the state of exception <laughs> well thank you for talking about it it's an important topic oh, no it's just uh, it's just very sad and it's very sad to see how many youth have been affected by it in El Salvador because like yeah. Time and time again, you know, the, again, I mean, the most marginalized are affected. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's heartbreaking to see that, again, it has, you know, fallen into a dictatorship. Yeah, it is truly sad. And like, and my wish is not to, I mean, I will talk shit about Bukele and his supporters, but my goal and wish is not to alienate. Alienate, um, alienate yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um people that support Bukele like my wish is for them to come across See. information like this um and truly let it be open-hearted to it be open to it be yeah. open-minded not yeah. hearted. oh my bad they don't have they don't have hearts no, I'm just no well see this is what i'm saying though because yeah when <laughs> when we say things like this it pushes people to the other side even more yeah um, just i guess yeah being open-minded about it like, uh, I, like would, I would dare say being open-hearted as well because you're right in order right. to see this as an issue you have to not dehumanize the people that are being affected by this you have to see these people have rights <laughs> yeah yeah um and there's innocent people being harmed by this um yes. and that means opening yourself to feel those emotions yeah um actually and i wanted to add i i uh -huh. um called our father <laughs> oh yeah um earlier today um i've been calling him just to make sure he's not inundated with water <laughs> yes me too i called him but he didn't answer me oh maybe you were talking to him and uh, maybe but what time was it no um, <laughs> it was like 4 30 i think no okay no um and i was telling him oh i'm looking up um research about the state of exception to record about it with christina he's like oh i've been seeing stuff about that um about how things are over there on tiktok and i was like you're on tiktok he's like yeah i watch a few videos on there he's like 
Um, and then he told me that, so he saw some news about that. And then he talked to an old friend from El Salvador who still lives over there. Um, he's like, things are really bad over there right now. And I was like, yes, they okay. are. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, like two months ago, when I talked to him about it, he was like, oh, well, the gangs, like, no, Christina, you don't understand. Like the gangs, if there's an old man with a stand, the gangs took the, his money every day and he's barely and making very money. that's true. Yes. And that is true. And I was like, yeah, that happens too. But there's also in it, like two things can be true. Yeah. And so, I mean, like arguments with Papi are never like, they're never heated. He understands. We understand. Yeah. So it's not like trying to talk to her mom about Black Lives Matter. <laughs> She's a mess. <laughs> She's um, because she's yeah. real Mexican. <laughs> yes. Um, so and true he, he listens a little bit. I think if we were to try and talk to like our Theo, it would be a little bit different. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and it's just important to have these conversations again and again. But I'm glad that he, he saw but that. See, yeah, and because look, like you just said, two months ago, he was like, oh, this is not really like it's it's the the ends justify yeah. the means and now is what he said yeah two months later he's like oh things are really bad right now yeah mm-hmm. and uh, it's important like you're saying to have these conversations you know what i mean yeah um you know we talked to him about it and he talked to his friend over there and you know it, otherwise he wouldn't have came to this new and true conclusion <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to go eat a cheese biscuit because they're really good and I'm sad. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, no, I do. Before you go, have, do you go watch Abbott Elementary? Um, yeah. I've been waiting okay, for the please. new season. Oh, it started. Please what? watch I the literally, newest episode. I clicked on it today and it started from season one, which is what made me think that it wasn't Okay, first on of yet. all, half of season two was out. I've already and it just seen... came back from the winter break. What? The f- what yeah, it? it just came back from the winter break. Normally, when you click on a show and it has a new season, it mm. plays from that new season. Okay, well, the newest episode is so funny and okay. podcast related. You need I'll, to watch it. I'll go listen. I mean, watch it. Yeah. There you go. Listen to it. <laughs> then listen to it. Yeah. Oop, oop. Podcast brain. Oh, All you right. know what? I was well, just, uh-huh. I wanted to add one more thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Through doing this Bukele research, I, you know, discovered El Hilo. And so I want to recommend that to El people if you so speak good. Spanish. And then they yeah. have their, and you talked about this podcast on spooky tells uh last week's episode about radio ambulante they're like i don't know sister oh, podcast my bad. i was talking about radio ambulante radio ambulante is so good oh well they're like, listen to El Hilo. they're like a sister <laughs> yeah. podcast it's the same people it's the same guy yeah, same yeah. People. and they lady too um mm-hmm. yeah and um yeah i discovered both of those through my bukele research um, nice. So if you yeah, if you know Spanish, if you, if you understand Spanish, I highly recommend those. Um, if you don't, they have an app that you can listen and look up the translation at the same time. Oh, to, I like, didn't know help that. you learn Spanish. Yeah, it's like oh, one of the I heard sponsors. them talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, right? Um, but yeah, they, it is excellent. But they um, have really well good episodes. I listen, and yeah. there's like so many things like about Latin America that, you know, I don't know about because I'm over here. Um, and I'm talking about Hilo because I've only listened to like two so, episodes sorry. of Radio Ambulante. <laughs> I was talking about Radio Ambulante again. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Hilo. Um, I listened to one episode about, have you heard the term buchonas? I thought it was bichona. No, buchona. Bichota, my bad. That's, that's I a, was thinking bichona. That's a reggaeton term. Buchona <laughs> yeah. is like a corriente, not corriente, uh, corrido term, like narcotraficante slang. I have not, lingo. but I think I saw that episode. I think I scrolled, scrolled um, through their titles. It's about a how um, uh, plastic surgery has become like affordable um, because oh. women are trying to attain this buchona image that is... Uh, Oh, what is the word? It's um, it comes from like narco culture of you mm. know the BBL body, the okay, okay, uh, yeah, wow, um, and yeah. how um, there's like surgeons that aren't really qualified to be surgeons, and people have <laughs> face serious health <laughs> consequences <laughs> because of this. But it was I really see. interesting. And, I gotta listen to that. Um, it's good because I'm all caught up on my all my podcast right now. So oh my like, god, you need to check it out. And then yeah, I, I told will. you about yeah. that one um, episode about um, the Haitian pregnant woman, mm-hmm. um, pregnant migrant crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just so many things I you never knew about. Yeah. Um. So yeah, 
Watch Abbott Elementary and listen to El Hilo and Radio Ambulante. Is what and we're gonna end yeah, on. thank you for listening to us. Thank you. And thank you for that comment we got. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, Amazing. Someone um, said they learned stuff from listening to us. And so thank you. Yeah. It's and, nice you know, I learned comments. a lot from you <laughs> and from my own research that I didn't know I about learned before. I from you, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just, even though we talk about really heavy things, um, I enjoy <laughs> learning about things me too <laughs> yeah me too yeah i've not learned to expand my vocabulary yet that's why i'm saying things a lot no. <laughs> um, yeah it's fine <laughs> but we don't care we don't no, respect we don't. the english language as we said we haven't before. said that in so long i know <laughs> wow I forgot full about circle. that <laughs> full circle yeah first um, moment but yeah i mean i guess let's end it before you go on and on um thank you Sorry, everyone for yeah. listening yes. um if you're enjoying um our episode so far recommend us to friends um and give us a five-star rating five please. Star rating please <laughs> and help us if the bukele trolls attack us yes please <laughs> <laughs> bye bye